Okay, today's February 25th, 2014 in Ljubljana, Slovenia. And we're going to be exploring Krishna book, chapter 19, where Krishna swallows the forest fire. And we're going to be exploring how we can enter into Krishna's pastimes. To see our life, even in this world, as part of Krishna's adventure. Does that sound like fun? Would you like to join Krishna's adventure? Now? Now? Would you like to join Krishna's adventure now? All right. So this is from Jayavadharma of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And he says that Krishna's leelas are unlimited, and so therefore, is that? Sure, okay. Therefore, this material world is also one of Krishna's leelas. Mm. And of course, in leela, in adventure, there's going to be conflict. Whenever you have a story, there has to be a problem, otherwise it's not a story. If you just say, I wake up, I brush my hair, I go, to, I brush my teeth, I eat breakfast, that's not a story. There has to be some kind of conflict and some kind of a solution. So Krishna really likes stories, he likes hearing stories, and he likes being in stories. So if we're going to be part of Krishna's story, we have to expect that there's going to be some problem that gets solved. Bhaktivinoda goes on to say that everything's under Krishna's control, and when we surrender to his will, it's only natural that we're going to be part of the problems and the solutions. And he says that this so-called material adversity ends up becoming unlimited happiness. So, why would we therefore say that it is adversity? And he goes on to say that when we're in Krishna's lila, the so-called difficulties are really completely pleasurable. So, what is it that's causing our unhappiness in this world? Bhaktivinoda says that all of our unhappiness is due to our choosing not to exalt, not to exalt, not to feel great pleasure in the Lord's lila. Mm. So he says, if there's anyone to blame, it's certainly ourselves. It's not Krishna's fault that we're suffering. We're suffering just because we don't want to participate. You can think of it just like if there's a dance, and there's many people in a dance, and if somebody isn't cooperating, if they're just dancing in their own way, then they're not going to be very happy. They'll bump into the other dancers, they might fall off the stage, right? If the dancers want to be happy, then they cooperate with all the other dancers. So Prabhupada says in Krishna book, in the chapters on Raslila, that the whole world is full of Krishna's singing. He says, Krishna's dancing and the living entities are dancing. And we can choose to dance with Krishna or to dance by ourselves or dance with somebody else. Well, when we're chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, specifically, then we are joining in with, we are harmonizing with the singing and dancing of Krishna. So now we're going to meditate on one story from the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam, that's also a Krishna book, and we're going to meditate on what it's like to really be in Krishna's adventure. Now this presentation is taken from the BBT 10th canto of the Bhagavatam, the last chapter that Prabhupada translated is chapter 13, this is chapter 19. It is also taken from Srila Prabhupada's Krishna book, which is a summary study of the 10th canto. It's taken from the commentaries on the 10th canto by Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur, Sri Swami, Jiva Goswami, 
is also taken from other books that describe Krishna's pastimes, such as Ananda Vrindavan So first we should know that Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains that all of the demons that Krishna kills in his leelas, they are real personalities, but they also represent various obstacles on the path of Krishna consciousness. So this particular story that we're going to meditate on tonight is where Krishna swallows the second fire. There's two fires Krishna swallows. This is the second one. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur says that this fire represents the obstacles that devotees face because of irreligion. And of course, this is the age of irreligion. This is a picture of King Pariket, Emperor Pariket, who is threatening the personification of irreligion, Kali, and you see illicit sex, mediating intoxication and gambling, because Kali was attacking, attacking the personality of religion, Dharma the bull. Um, this fire, this fire that Krishna swallows, it represents the difficulty we face because we're in a world right now of adharma, or irreligion. Right now, we're in a world where intoxication, illicit sex, meeting, gambling, atheism is the prevailing mood on the planet. You know, if at your work or at your school you say, oh, I'm a religious person, oh, I need to be a religious person. One devotee I know was just saying how at work they were having some party, everybody was eating meat, and they're saying, oh, I need a vegetarian. <laughs> so this this obstacle that we face in the present time. Of course, it's there always in the material world, but especially in the present age, where it's, it's, you almost feel like you're in a fire, don't you? Trying to be a religious person, trying to be a devotee of Krishna, in the modern world, it really feels like this like a fire. And so Krishna swallows this fire. So as we meditate on this pastime, then we will get free from this difficulty of having to deal with atheists and adharma. So this story starts at the end of another story. Okay? It starts, the story begins where another story ends. Krishna's stories are going on eternally in a cycle. So this story begins with Balaram killing the demon Pramba. So the coward boys were playing in pairs and they were challenging each other. There was two big teams, Balaram's team and Krishna's team. And Krishna's team lost. Balaram's team won. And so the team that um, the team that won got to be carried on the shoulders of the team that lost. So Balaram, you can see Balaram, is being carried on the shoulders of one of the losers. Now, this loser wasn't an ordinary coward boy. One of the coward boys was kept home by his mother that day, and this demon, Palomba, assumed the form of that coward boy. So if you're a demon and you really want to cause trouble, you pretend to be a devotee. Okay? I don't know about this country, but in America, they say that there are 2,500 crimes every year by criminals who dress up like police officers. I'm sure that happens all over the world. Somebody pretends to be a government officer, and really, they're a criminal. And we've had even this problem in our right Krishna movement. We had one, one person who, in the Holy Land of Vrindavan, caused all kinds of problems in our school many years ago. And when he was caught, he said, I have come here to Vrindavan to do these things just to show that there's no God. So sometimes the demons pretend to be devotees. And so this demon dressed as a coward boy, looking like a coward boy by his mystic power, he carried Balaram far away. Actually, he carried him to the Banyan tree, so this painting's a little odd. And uh, at that point, he, Balaram um, understood, wait a minute, there's something funny about this, this coward boy. And Balaram became very heavy, and the, the demon wasn't able to make to both carry Balaram and hold his coward boy form, so he showed his real form, at which time Balaram killed him. 
and all the cowboy boys then came to this banyan tree and they congratulated Balaram. So, uh, this is also the same day, the past time we're going to delve into today, it also happens the same day as the past times at Taliban, where Balaram killed Dina Gusura, who had taken the form of a donkey. And Krishna also killed some of the Asimans. So, this is at the end of the summer. After finishing off Dinugasura and after finishing off Pralambasura, all the Calvary boys came to the banyan tree and they said, Well done, Balaram, well done, very good, very good. You killed that demon. It's kind of funny because the Calvary boys, they don't think Krishna and Balaram were God. They just think they're really wonderful Calvary boys. <laughs> so they were all excited. And then they are at the banyan tree. Most of the paintings in this show are from one of our children's books. So I'm sure you know we produced 83 children's books, so this is from one of them. Here are the coward boys. These uh, paintings were done by uh, devotee artists in China. Husband and wife were disciples of Tamal Krishnamart and were professional animators. So they're the ones who did uh, most of the, the paintings for this book and most of the paintings that are in this show. So here are the coward boys and, and Krishna Balaram. They're celebrating the killing of Palambasura, and they're having so much fun here at the Banyan Tree. Now, while they're having a lot of fun, it's the little boys, you know, and they, they have a job to do. It's kind of maybe astonishing to us that little children had jobs to do. We think of little children, their only job is to go to school, but in those days, the children had work to do as part of the family. Of course, you can see that their work is a whole lot of fun, but the work that they did was they took care of the herds, and the herds were made up of cows, goats, and buffalo. You can see the cows, goats, and buffalo there, right? So those cows, goats, and buffalo, even though they were under Krishna's personal protection, unfortunately, they became greedy for sense enjoyment, and they thought, oh, maybe there's some greener grass over there. Did we ever do that? That even though we're under Krishna's protection, we think maybe there's some greener grass over there. So that's what these cows, goats, and buffalo did. And they started wandering away. Unfortunately, they really suffered for their whimsy to wander off independently like that. And they walked about 15 kilometers to a forest that's sometimes called Ishikatava, or Mandiyari, or Munjaranya. Three different names for that forest. They just kind of kept walking and walking. You know what it's like in the material world, right? You think, I'm going to get pleasure over here, and you go there, and you don't. And then you think, well, I'm going to get pleasure over here, and you go there, and you don't. You think, well, I'm going to get pleasure over here, and so you go there, and you don't. And you keep going and going and going and going. And this also kind of reminds us of, of how one falls in spiritual life. Just like Shri Prabhupada says that when we first come to the material world, it's not a big fall down, but we come as Lord Brahma. I mean, Lord Brahma, he's seeing the Lord, he's seeing Lord Vishnu all the time as his father. You know, he doesn't have all the Lord Brahma, also Abrahma, Bhavanala, Kapunar, Arjuna, Arjuna. Although even on the Brahma's planet there's suffering, and still, I mean, from our perspective, the Brahma doesn't really have any suffering. It's almost spiritual, so he gets to do service and get the main desire of all conditioned souls revealed. He gets to be Lord of the universe. And I would assume that some Lord Brahmas say, whoops, not a very good idea, let me go to the spiritual world. But other Lord Brahmas, they think, oh, this is cool. I'm a servant of Krishna and I'm Lord of the material world. Wow, I've got everything. And then just like in the Bhagavatam, Lord Brahma has one son, Daksha. So he's born directly from Brahma. He's not born, he doesn't have to go into a womb. Very powerful person. One of the Brahmins of the universe. And in that life, as I'm sure most of us know, he offends Lord Shiva. And even though he apologizes, his apology must not have been very genuine because his next life he was demoted. Instead of being a Brahmin, he was a Satriya. 
course, his parents were all pure devotees, the Prachetas, but still he had to take birth in the womb of a woman from Risha. And then in that life, oh my, his propensity for Vaishnava was still current, and he offends Narada Muni. And then he disappears from the pages of the Bhagavatam. So we can understand that our fall down is very gradual. It's not like we're with Krishna and then all of a sudden we're a human being in Kali Yuga. Right? We'd say, why would I let Krishna open to be a human being in Kali Yuga? It's very gradual. We see that even with devotees who give up Krishna consciousness, usually it's very gradual. Usually it's, the, you know, I'll just chant 12 rounds instead of 16, or I won't follow Kadasi anymore, I'll now eat some onions and garlic, I'll now drink some coffee. And gradually, 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 and each step that you take doesn't seem like a very big fall down if you just look one step up, right? And I'll set a 60 mils, I'll chant 15 mils, it's not such a big deal. Oh, I'll just won't offer my food today. But by the time you get to the bottom of the stair, you've fallen a long way. So it's like that with the cows. They were taking one step, oh, here's some nice grass, then another step, some nice grass, and another step, and whoops. They ended up stuck. They ended up in some kind of sharp canes. We've, we've pictured here sugar cane. The Bhagavatam doesn't say exactly what kind of cane. But they ended up stuck in some canes and they couldn't get out. And this is exactly what happens to all of us in this world. We wander, we wander, we wander. Oh, there's green grass, green grass. And then we're stuck. Daiviyeshu gunamayi mama maya dhiratiya maya we have to go, hey, Nanda, Dinu, Dikin, Gira, Patitamam, Mishame, Babam, Pujo, Kipaya, Tamapada, Kamcha, Kamkaja, Tita, to please, Vishen, Vishen, Chaya. You please consider, Vishen, Chaya, you please consider. Maybe you want to pick me up. So that's what happened to the cows, and they're now crying. You can see they're crying, right? Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. But Krishna's 15 kilometers away. Now, not only are they stuck in the canes, that would be bad enough. They were stuck and they couldn't get out. But there was a forest fire. The forest fire was very nearby and they became very, very thirsty. Meanwhile, back at the banyan tree, the boys start to notice that the animals had gone. And they felt sad. Now please don't think that just because they feel sad then, well, what's it? I thought in spiritual life it's all ecstasy. So all ecstasy doesn't just mean it's insipid. It doesn't just mean it's all like, oh, I'm in ecstasy all the time. It's not like that. Uh, there's uh, many Anubhavas. There are seven secondary rasas. One of the secondary rasas is Karuna Ras. Karuna Ras is compassion or grief. And you think, well, wait a minute, how can grief be happy? But we all know how grief can be happy. Somebody says, hey, why don't you watch this movie? It'll make you cry, right? Isn't it? Don't people see sad movies? Yes? <coughs> Read this story, it'll, it'll make you cry. Oh, was it a good story? Oh, no, it was a good story. So, right? We have some idea that happiness, that sadness, grief, compassion can also be happy. So the boys were, were feeling very sad because they felt we've neglected our duties. We've neglected our duties. Of course, Krishna and Balaram weren't feeling sad. You see, Krishna and Balaram were still happy. And Shiddha Swami said that this happened because Krishna and Balaram wanted to experience a new pastime. And Sanatana Jeeva Swami says that the boys were feeling great love for the cows. It wasn't just that they were thinking, oh, we messed up our duties, what's going to happen to us, oh, what was me? But they were thinking, oh, the cows, because the cows are also Vaishnavas, the cows are also great devotees. Prabhupada says Krishna is embracing Radharani, and he's also embracing the cows. The boys were feeling bad for the cows. And then Krishna says, okay, let's go find them. So they're searching and searching and searching. Where are the cows? Where are the cows? And they're looking at the eaten grass. Now it's really interesting because usually in Vrindavan, whenever the animals eat the grass, then it pops back up again, grows back up again right away. But in this case, when the cows, goats, and buffalo ate the grass, the grass stayed eaten. So there was a path of eaten grass, and there was a path of their hooves bending the grass. 
Now, the boys also going, because the Bandir tree was right near the Juna, and now they're going further and further away from the Juna. So they're also getting really hot and thirsty. Remember the cows, goats and buffaloes, they're really hot and thirsty with the fire. And now Krishna's calling their name. You see Krishna calling their name here? So Krishna's calling their name. With a voice like the thundering cloud and with great love. And Sanatana Goswami said, this is Sankirtan. This is Krishna's Sankirtan. You know, Krishna also chants japa. You all know that? Krishna chants japa. What are his japa beads made out of? Anybody know? Pearls. Pearls and different jewels, yes. And what does he chant on his japa beads? No, he doesn't chant the name of the gopis. The names of the cows, yes. For us, the Java beads represent the 108 principal gopis. But for Krishna, he's, maybe he also chants names of gopis on beads. But anyway, the Shastras mentioned that he chants the names of his cows. That's how he calls his cows. So Krishna chants Java of cows' names, and now he's chanting Sankirtan of cows' names. Mahaprabhu got criticized for chanting the gopi gopi. Krishna's chanting cows. <coughs> So he's calling them with great love. Wouldn't you like to be called by Krishna with great love in a thundering voice like a cloud? Yes. yes? We've wandered away. We've wandered away. You see, you remember what we were talking about in the beginning? Anybody remembers what we were talking about way in the beginning? How we can see our life as part of Krishna's adventure? Yes? Yes? So when we get stuck in the canes and there's a fire burning, we can understand Krishna's calling. Hey, where are you? Come on! But much nicer than my voice. And there, look at that. One of the boys has found the cows and goats and buffalo. There they are, Krishna. I found them, I found them. And the animals were so excited that Krishna was calling them. And they responded with great joy. So there was this calling back and forth. And that's what we're doing when we chant the Hare Krishna mantra. We're saying, Krishna, Rama, Hare, please save me. I Please save me. Engage me in your service. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Take me home. And then Krishna says, yes, where are you? I'm coming to get you. And that's how they found the cows, because the cows heard Krishna's voice, cows, goats, and buffalo. They heard Krishna's voice, and they started And then Krishna freed them from the canes. Oh, they were so happy. Here comes the sun. They were so happy. There's Krishna. All the coward boys were happy. Right? We forget Krishna and we cry to Krishna and then he comes and saves us. Oh, Krishna saved us. They were so happy. The boys, oh, by great fortune, all the animals were in one place. Because you know, with a big herd of animals, sometimes one can wander off this place and one can wander off the other place. They might have been all over the place. But because they got stuck in the canes, they were all in one place. So the coward boys were very happy. Oh, by good fortune, they're all in one place. And they all started going back to Bandiraman. But behind the boys and the animals was the fire. So we might think, okay, Krishna saved me. Now I've joined the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Okay, done with all my problems. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is funny. Uh, but we're also, when we join this movement, if we're in the proper consciousness, if we're in the proper consciousness, then we're actually joining Mahaprabhu's Lila. So again, in Lila, there must be conflict. So there's a great fire. And while they were all happily going to Bandiravan, a great fire came, and they could feel the heat of the fire. They were already thirsty because they'd already wandered so far from the Jinwana. Now they feel the heat of the fire, which then surrounds 
them in all eight directions, which is pretty interesting because that would be up and down. I don't know how fire surrounding them from down, but it's surrounding them from all eight directions. North, south, east, west, northeast, southeast, northwest, southwest, up and down. With the wind carrying the fire like a chariot driver carrying the chariot. And flames were like meteors shooting in the sky. I mean, it was really a fire. It wasn't like some little thing. Somehow, I don't know, I told this story many times, but somehow I'm just remembering how I was in a bad kitchen fire many, many years ago. 36 years ago. So I was in Gita Nagari, and I used to cook for all the devotees there, the main meal for all the devotees, and we would make japatis for everyone. You don't see that too many times anymore in Islam temples, that everybody gets like three or four japatis, but we were making a lot of device. Someone else was rolling them, and I was cooking ten at a time. Yeah. Huh? How? Wow. Oh, wow. You could ask me how. You could ask me to come in the kitchen and show you my technique. You know? That was 36 years ago. What am I sure? 37. No, not 37 years ago. Yeah. I don't know. When was the last time I Actually, I did it again in uh, 2000 in Puerto Rico. I did that. So we'd set up with making ten japatis at a time. And when you're cooking japatis, you know, you have open flames. Right? Open flames. So I turned, and the end of my sari caught on fire. All of a sudden, I looked behind me, and there was a huge fire. That was scary. It was pretty scary. That was, it was on a Monday, and the... You just reminded me that I forgot to turn off my Skype and somebody could Skype me in the middle of this. But if I can't do it now, it would disturb everything. Anyway, so yeah, this, this big fire was on Monday. It was right after the Sunday feast. And so there was a big pot of cold apple chutney on the table. <laughs> and there was a big pot of cold whey. And this was the offering had already been made. I was still cooking. And the devotees had to walk through the kitchen to come to the prasadam. So as they walked through the kitchen and they saw me on fire, I did this stop, drop, and roll. You know, I, I stopped cooking and I fell to the ground. I was rolling, you know, rolling on the ground with the fire. Then the devotees come in and one of them throws the pot of apple chutney on me. <laughs> and one of them throws a pot of whey on me. So I was sort of interested. <laughs> but I was also calling, Krishna, Krishna. So anyway, the fire got put out. <laughs> so they put it was, it was really scary. And Sanatuko Swami says that this fire was a demon, thank you, was a demon friend of Prolambasura that was really angry that Balaram killed Prolambasura. And uh, some other commentators said that the fire just wanted to associate with Krishna and join Krishna's pastimes. So the boys were really scared. Now that's another one of the seven secondary muscles is fear. Again, you can say, we, we do say that the essential ingredient of material consciousness is fear, and that fear is really the source of all of our problems. But this fear is a rasa. This fear is a rasa. And again, we can have some idea like people also like to be afraid, right? They go on rides, pay money to go on rides, be afraid. There's some pleasure. So this is an exciting kind of fear. And it's not really that they're afraid of death because the boys are spiritual, they know they're not going to die, but they're afraid of being separated from Krishna. And also they love the animals, they're, they're thinking, oh, we don't want the animals to get hurt. So they're dependent on Krishna, and actually, they, first they say, they say, Balaram and Krishna, and then they just say Krishna. So they're thinking, Krishna will save us, and Balaram, he'll help. Yeah, so first they say, Krishna, Balaram, help us, and they just say, Krishna, Krishna, help us because they have special uh, affection for Krishna, and they're remembering Gargamuni's words that Krishna will always save his dependents. And they say to Krishna, they say, we're your intimate friends. It's not right that we should suffer in this way. Please save us. It said they looked at Krishna like, like a dying person looks at a picture of God. That, you know, total surrender. And what does Krishna say to them? Actually, Krishna doesn't speak it to them. 
Krishna talks through his eyes. Krishna loves to talk through his eyes. We also talk through our eyes, right? Do you all talk through your eyes sometimes? You know what's really pleasurable? What's really pleasurable is if you just talk with gestures and the other person knows exactly what you mean. Isn't that fun? When you don't have to speak anything? You know, if you just like go... And people just get what you... Isn't that great? When you have friends that are that close. So Krishna loves to do that, folks. He's always doing things like that. In the scriptures also, Krishna likes to talk in code. He says, Raja Vidya Raja Guyam. He likes things that are secret that you have to kind of unpack and, and realize. It, because it's so much fun to have such an intimate conversation with someone, such an intimate relationship with someone that you can speak in code and they can figure it out. So my dear friends, sometimes you know devotees go to Krishna and say, Krishna, just tell me what to do. But he doesn't usually act like that. I mean, sometimes, like with Arjuna, he says, get up and fight. Very clear. Get up and fight. Pick up your bow. Pick up your bow. Get up, fight. But he doesn't usually do that. Think about one of my favorite, favorite, favorites is the killing of Jarasandhar. So Krishna had fought with Jarasandhar 17 times. Defeated him 17 times, 18 times, Krishna ran away, jumped off a mountain, and went to go kidnap Rukmini. And Jarasandra thought, ha, I finally beat him. So they were going to fight Jarasandra again in battle, but it was the plan of Uddhava that Bhima, Arjuna, and Krishna would go in disguise as Brahmanas to fight with Jarasandra. And when Jarasandra understood who they were, he said, I'm not going to fight with Krishna, he's a coward, I'm not going to fight with Arjuna, he's younger, I'll fight with Bhima. So Bhima and Jarasandra fought for how many days? Anyone knows? Close. 28. That seems to be a favorite fighting time. A lunar month. Jambavan also fought with Krishna for 28 days. So at the end of 28 days, Bhima said, Nashaktoham Jarasandam Near Jaitam I don't have this Shakti Jarasandam named for Krishna. Near Jaitam, Jaitas, Jaya, victory, near Jaitam. I can't get victory, Yudhi, in battle, Almadava. No, Jarasandam was Jarasandam. near Jaitam, I can't, I don't have the Shakti with Jarasandam, sorry, sorry, big mistake, to defeat him in battle, Almadava. So then did Krishna go to him and just say, okay, look, well, this is how you do it. You see, Jarasandra was born in two pieces from two different women, and there was this witch, and she put them together, and so you just break. No, Krishna didn't do any of that. What did Krishna do? He took some grass and he broke it. And then Abhyayam Swainatejasa, Krishna invested Bhima with his own power, with his own tejas. So Krishna likes to do this. He likes to speak in hints. He likes to speak with gestures. He likes to speak in, in covered language. Krishna's always talking to the gopis in language that has double and triple meanings. He enjoys that. So we should expect that Krishna's going to speak to us like that also. That's his preferred method of communication. Why? Because it's full of rasa. So Krishna is now speaking to the coward boys with his eyes. And he tells the boys to close their eyes. Why? Because he doesn't want them to see what he's about to do. He's about to swallow the fire. And he figures if the coward boys see him swallowing fire, they'll want to protect him. Oh, Krishna, don't swallow the fire. You might get hurt. And they'll run and they'll try to save him. He doesn't want them to do that. So he tells them to close their eyes. And also, because he's going to play a trick and instantly bring them back to Bandiravan and he doesn't want them to see that trick. Now the coward boys, they're thinking, just like sometimes we might think when we find that we, when we're told to do something. Well, how's that going to help? Okay, I'm in a fire. Can you imagine if I was in that kitchen fire and someone came up to me and said, okay, everyone, just close your eyes. <laughs> 
close my eyes, I was supposed to stop job and roll, I was closing my eyes business. Right? So the coward boys were thinking, what good will it do to close our eyes? And then they thought, hmm, I think I know what it is. Krishna's going to use some secret jewels and mantras and herbs to stop this fire, but if anyone else sees how he does it, it's not going to work. So that's why he's telling us to close our eyes. And then Krishna swallows the fire. Mm. Now some commentators say that he swallowed the fire because he was thirsty for fire. Now by the way, is, I know in Slovenian diet you don't eat like this, but in many parts of the world people love to eat fire. I mean not fire fire like for matches, but fire from chilies. Right? Like in Thailand, Mexico, India. If it doesn't have chilies in it, they don't even want to eat it. Right? I'm, I'm still trying to get well from something I caught in India a couple years ago. And uh, I found that I can't really eat anything with chilies. So I, I was, went to this Indian's house for, for lunch and she said, what can you eat? And I said, well, well, don't give me very many chilies. So for her, not very many chilies means like, you know, seven instead of ten. So then for the next day I said, no chilies. And she just thought, no chilies? How can I cook without chilies? So then she put in a big stick, I mean big folks, of ginger. I mean ginger's fine, you know, a little ginger, but it was like, I said, how much ginger did you put into this prasada? So Krishna was thirsty for fire. Uh, oh, Krishna Chakravartakuru says that. He says, because nothing happens without the desire of the Lord. So therefore we can understand the Lord must have had this desire. Uh, so also it can be said that that fire, as soon as it came into Krishna's mouth, that actually became like a cruel drink. That it got scared. Oh, Krishna says, only. And he might get mad if I hurt him. And then he'll hurt me more. So it became like a cruel drink. Now Krishna swallowed the fire to show Brahma and the other demigods who were watching how much love he has for his friends. How much love he has for his friends. So this is one, one of the nine processes of devotional service is Sakya. That is not the Sakya Ras of the Calvary boys or Arjuna. It's an item of devotional service that can be practiced by anyone and everyone. We practice by uh, devotees who have not yet realized their rasa, and they can be practiced by devotees regardless of their rasa. And this Sakya Ras, which we have, the Sakya, um, I'm tired, Krishna Jesus. This Sakya, uh, not Ras, the Sakya Agha of devotional service, which I have another presentation on that I'm not going to show. Uh, it's about I trust Krishna and he can trust me. I can trust Krishna and he can trust me. So here Krishna's a friend. What does a friend do? Do you have any friends who would swallow fire for me? Okay, I have so many friends in this world. I mean, I have friends who will do a lot for me, and there's friends for whom I will do a lot. But I don't think I have any friends who will swallow fire for me. Every once in a while you read about this in the news, that, you know, there's a burning house, and someone goes into the fire to save their family member or their friend, or sometimes their pet. Yes, you read about this sometimes. And sometimes they also die in the fire. There's one very, we used to have a story like this in the Google. Uh, it's a true story, I don't remember his name. It's someone who became a very, very famous runner and won a lot of trophies for running. And when his house was on fire, he ran into the house to save his brother, his little brother. He was just a little child. I can't, I think he didn't save his brother. But he got hor horribly burnt in the process of saving this fire, and his toes were all burnt off. And for a long time he couldn't walk, but he ended up by great determination. He became a very famous runner. So Krishna is so much our friend, Suridam, that he will swallow fire for us. So he wants to show the demigods, look, stop being Sakama devotees, folks. You know? 
become nishkam devotees. Don't think, all right, I have to serve Krishna, but I also have to look out for myself. If you just surrender to Krishna, Krishna will even swallow fire for you. So then, the boys were almost unconscious, and then they opened their eyes in Bandiravan. Some commentators say they spontaneously opened their eyes, and some say that Krishna said, okay, now open your eyes. And all of a sudden, there they were, 15 kilometers away, back in Bandiravan. And I'm like, how do we get here? That's amazing. And they thought, wow, Krishna must be a demigod. Now see, when Arjuna sees the universal form, he loses his friendship and he starts getting in all this awe and reverence. But the coward boys, when they see Krishna do something amazing, they just think, we have an amazing friend. And what's really funny is that the, the coward boys thought, if Krishna is a demigod, Maybe we're demigods too. <laughs> and so they were feeling great happiness. Then Krishna started playing his flute in a very special way. And ran with Balaram and the cows, goats, and buffalo back to Vrindavan to relieve the separation the gopis felt in his absence. And then he was greeted, of course, by Nandini and the boys told Nandini Krishna saved us from the fire, and Balaram killed Prolambasura. And then everyone thought, wow, Krishna's really wonderful. We just said this was the end of the summer, then the rainy season started. So how can we see our life? So you notice I put this quote in lots of my presentations because I really like it. I'm Prabhupada Bhojajaya Thakamaraj. We can see whatever is meant to be, that I am doing. Everything is part of Krishna's plan. Whatever is meant to be, I am doing that. That once we surrender to Krishna, once we say, my dear Lord, from this day on, I am yours, that from that point, Krishna takes charge of our life. Whatever, meant, whatever is meant to be, I am doing that. So I had a very interesting experience when I started working on the children's books. So I had just really gotten started, and the project was just finally, after 25 years of wanting to do it, and finally it was coming together. And just as it was, as I was getting started, just as I had my desk and my computer, and I was starting to put everything together, my daughter-in-law broke her foot. And they were moving to a new house. And I said, should I go to help? And they said, no, 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 we're all right. And then I said, what's your stress level? And then my son says, yeah, much. I think you better <laughs> So <laughs> I went and I helped out there for a month. And the whole time I was there, I'm thinking, hey, I'm supposed to be working on my books. Why am I doing here? I'm just so attached to my family. I should be working on my books. And after the month was over and I went back and I was working on my books again, my work went ten times as fast. Because I was writing children's books. And my son and his wife have a whole lot of children of all different ages. And so all I had to do when I was writing the books was just think, oh, what would Karika like? What would Tarnin like? What would Vikram like? And immediately, I knew what to write. And then I could understand, that wasn't a detour. It wasn't a diversion. Krishna knew exactly what I needed and put me exactly where I needed. Whatever is meant to be, I'm doing that. Actually, this just happened to me. That happened years ago, but something that just happened to me. So... I was, I was traveling, and I had been asked by Prasanta in Vrindavan if I could come and teach Bhakti Vai Bhava. And I said, sure. And I thought, well, I'll have time while I'm traveling to work on the classes and organize the classes, because usually I do. But somehow or other, in Mexico, in Dallas, in Mexico, and Brazil, it just didn't work. 
I, I, I never had a decent desk and chair, and I never had decent internet, and I never had any time. It was one of those things where, okay, it's only two programs a day, all right, but one of them is really far away, and it takes you two hours to drive there, and two hours to drive back, and then you go to lunch at somebody's house, and I don't know if you all know what it's like to go to lunch at somebody's house, but that's, you know, an hour to get there, and then it takes three hours to eat lunch, when you eat lunch at somebody's house. It takes 15 minutes in your room and three hours at somebody's house. And then another hour to get back. And by the time you've done that, then there, there's no, the day is just gone completely. And then traveling every two or three days to another place. And it just wasn't happening. And after a while, I started saying, Krishna, what am I going to do? This isn't, it isn't happening. I don't have any time to work on this. And each class is going to take me four to six hours to prepare. And I just don't have the time. What am I going to do? And then I was scheduled to go right from South America to South Africa, where my schedule in South Africa was really crazy. You know, every two or three days I was changing location and the same thing. It was going to be the same thing. So I was like, what am I going to do? I thought, okay, Krishna, I know you have some plan, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know how this is going to happen. And then I go to, I go to the airport, in, in Sao Paulo to go to South Africa, and I go through passport control, and I go to the boarding gate, and they call me, and they say, do you have your yellow fever certificate? I said, my what? They said, you're not allowed to go from Brazil to South Africa without a yellow fever certificate. I'm like, oh, what do I have to do? They said, you have to go get an injection, and then you have to wait for 10 days. I'm like, oh no. And there's a devotee who worked at the airport, and he came to say goodbye, which was Krishna's kindness, because I had thrown away all my phone numbers from Brazil. <laughs> it was one in the morning. So he came, and he said, okay, we'll take care of you. And he calls his wife and says, we have a guest. And she said, oh, did someone miss their flight? Because he works at the airport, you know. Then we called the devotees in South Africa. Oh, we'll be there in 10 days. You know, the airline gives me a new ticket. And they said, yes, we have three or four people every flight with this problem. I said, well, why don't you tell us anyway? So then they ended up putting me in this devotee's apartment. She just gave me her apartment. She left her apartment, gave me her apartment. I had a really nice desk and a really nice chair and first-class internet. And the devotee whose apartment is ran a restaurant. Can you believe that? She ran a restaurant, and every day she brought me this wonderful restaurant from the restaurant, and I didn't have anything else to do, and I got one lesson done a day, and by the end of the 10 days, I got not only everything done for Vrindavan, I got everything done for Radhadesh, because I was also teaching new classes in Radhadesh that I'd never taught before, and I had to arrange that, and I hadn't had any time for that, and I got all that done one day before I left. I got it all done in nine days. So there I was at the airport, and I thought, oh no, I have to spend another 10 days in Brazil. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? It was perfect. It was just perfect. So, what, everything is part of Krishna's plan that whatever is meant to be, I'm doing that. Now sometimes we see it immediately. Sometimes you don't see it for a long time. I'm not going to tell you too many more stories. But I had one catastrophe in my life where everything was just crumbled, all my plans, all my dreams, all my hopes, everything was just shattered and destroyed. And 15 years later, I saw, wow, what a blessing that was. What a blessing. Whatever Krishna away, took away, he gave me millions of times more. Whatever is meant to be, I am doing that. As long as we're surrendered to Krishna, we're chanting Hare Krishna, we're following the regulatory principles, we're inside that protective boundary of Sadhu Shastra Guru, whatever is meant to be that I'm doing, everything is part of Krishna's plan. I'm part of Krishna's adventure. I'm part of Krishna's adventure. Everyone should think he's engaged in a particular type of occupation by Rishi Case, the master of the senses. Everything I'm doing is I'm perfectly arranged and all I have to do is try to please Krishna and all I have to do is try to please Krishna now. All right. I have a little surprise for everybody. I hope you enjoy this. I had to completely redo this today because I've got a new operating system that wouldn't work under the old one. 
So hopefully it'll all work. Yes. Yes. The way I had it before, it was seamless, so it's, it's going to have seams in it. Unfortunately, can't do it seamless.
additions, subtractions? Yes. Thank you very much for this amazing, colorful, deep presentation. Oh, thank you. We can turn on the lights. There were two fires. And yes. One was what the Notakur says is the quarrels between the devotees. Yes, the first one is the which we didn't show is the quarrels between the devotees. The second one, yeah, you, you missed the very beginning, I think. Yeah, the second one, this is the um, harassment of the devotees by the atheists and the demons. So meditating on this pastime frees us from the uh, attacks of the demons and the adharma of the age of Kali. Yes. Wow, okay, so I'm told I'm supposed to repeat comments and questions. So you said that there's one commentator who says that in one fire that the Krishna tells them to close their eyes and one he says not to, and this demonstrates that whether devotees are aware or unaware or asleep or awake, Krishna will protect you anyway. Yes? Thank you. Anybody else? Yes? Krishna, thank you also for the presentation. Could you maybe uh, tell us something about Ekadashi? Now we go to sleep, tomorrow is Dvadashi. Just some short uh, inspiration, maybe. Radharani says if you would like to enter into her Leela, that you, could, you should observe Ekadashi. Yeah. <laughs> of course, there's all different levels of, of observance. Our, our simple level that Prabhupada gave us and that he observed himself, at least when Prabhupada was preaching. Prabhupada just observed that eating simple food without grains and beans. But of course, you know, the full codicy is you don't eat, you don't drink, you don't sleep. It can be a lot of fun if you do it with friends, especially. Sometimes you do that here. You have to prepare your mind at least a day in advance. The Prabhupada talked about in the first canto that um, fasting twice a month is good for your health also. So it's good for for the economy and good for your health. (laughs) You know, see, we're in a society where everything closes on Sunday, but wouldn't it be nice to be in a society where everything closed on a codicy? Wouldn't that be nice? Also, Bhakti Notekura talking about being attentive. It's probably in Harinam Chintamani. He says one way to be attentive in chanting is to have certain times when you do, um, when, when we leave everything else aside and you just chant. So Akadasi can be a time like that. Of course, we also know devotees have started things like Japa retreats. But it's nice, at least sometimes on Akadasi that you give up food, water, and sleep, and you just chant, focus on chanting. And Bhakti Nautipur says that helps with your chanting the rest of the time if you do things like that. Anything else? So are we all ready to enter into Krishna's pastimes? Yes. Yes? Okay. Prabhupada ki Okay, I'm